0: Hmm? Ah. Oh. Why did Locke say these were his people? I thought they were yours. When I left the island, John stepped in. He's the leader now. Who's that man he's talking to? His name is Richard Alpert. He's a kind of... advisor. And he has had that job for a very, very long time. son, what are you... Were you here in 1977? Excuse me? These people, Jack Shepherd, Kate Austin, Hugo Reyes. They were here with my husband, Jin Won. Were you here? Do you remember them? A- any of them?
1: Yes, I was here. 30 years ago. And I do, I remember these people. I remember meeting them very clearly because I watched them all die.
2: Welcome to another episode of The Revisited Podcast.
1: I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. Uh, This week on Lost, we are covering Season 5, Episode 15, Follow the Leader.
2: I thought we were going to be another another ridiculous, this week on Lost, we are covering Lost, Season (laughs) 5 of Lost, Episode 15 of Lost.
1: Well, stop telling me to, you know... (laughs) <laughs> name the episode or the no, you're, show all the time. You're right. I mean, people, if they don't
2: already know at this point that loss is the show that we're covering, it's its more their
1: fault, not ours. Nah, it's I our guess. fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the blame. It's fine. We'll take the hit. <clears throat> but yes, we are following, we are, I don't know. I mean, is this the penultimate of the season?
2: I think it is because the incident is parts one and two. I mean, they aired as two separate episodes, but I th- I don't remember if they aired the same night or back-to-back or not. They
1: must have aired the same night.
2: I would think so. I mean, because the way they play... I'm looking right now.
1: Because that was like their whole deal is that they would have two-hour premieres and two-hour finales. And
2: two-hour finales, yeah. Right. Uh, Let's see. The Incident Part 1 aired... Yeah, they were the same night. May thirteenth, two 2009. Uh, part one and part two aired back to back, and this was May six, and Follow the Leader was May 6th, so yeah, this is technically the penultimate episode of the season.
1: Okay, that's exciting. Um,
2: <clears throat> it is exciting, especially considering I think it definitely felt like a penultimate. Yes, I love uh, this episode. I do too, and then I started looking into all I'm going to say is like I did a deep dive on I went to the the Lost-a-pedia page and just looked up the man in black.
1: Oh, I want to hear about that first I, of all. Well, stop. I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna save it for next week. No, really?
1: Okay, I, okay. We'll, hang on, hang on. We'll dive
2: into it a little bit
1: before we get too far. We are a spoiler filled <laughs> podcast, so if you haven't seen no. all of Lost, don't listen to us yet. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you right. do a, it if you don't care about spoilers.
2: Well, cuz you're right. It's called the Revisited Podcast for a reason. We are revisiting this series cuz we've already seen it.
1: And we already love it.
2: And <coughs> damn right. And there are Yeah, I did such a I got so intrigued rereading everything about The Men in Black. And because I, and the reason why I didn't want to do any talk about it, I didn't want to dive deep into it this episode, and I was going to save it for next, is because a lot of that shit happens in the incident.
1: Then we'll just yeah, we'll just save it. Then. We're going
2: to save it for next for next episode. Yeah, um,
1: and I'm pretty sure next one will be a long one since it's two hours, and it's the incident. It's and it, yeah, we've we're, been we're, building up to this episode for months. And we're well, going to have years if you count all of our breaks.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to have a guest joining us. Hopefully. Yes. We got to okay. we got to work on the scheduling for it. Uh but hopefully our, our friend Des is going to be joining us for that too to talk about it. And yeah, so it's probably going to be a little bit longer of an episode when we're covering it because we like you mentioned, we're covering two episodes of the show not just one and we're going to have an additional person
1: mm-hmm. discussing everything.
2: So but I can't wait. I, like, I I. love this episode, but reading all of that stuff, I was like, oh, I want to dive into the incident right now. But I know yeah. we can't.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, where do you want to start?
2: Uh, well, I mean, this is definitely a heavy Richard episode.
1: Yes. Uh, is it heavy, though? I wouldn't call it a Richard episode. I'd call it an island episode. Um, maybe even like an Eloise Hawking episode, I don't know
2: i think I think that's fair. i mean the, the the wikipedia the wiki has it listed as a Richard Albert episode. but and Richard is the tie that ties everything together, but he's not the heavy focal point of the episode the the the, the definite focal points of the episode are, as you mentioned, Eloise Hawkins. And I'd say John Locke, using Locke in quotations.
1: Well, I mean, maybe. Honestly, this felt finally like an ensemble episode for the first time in a really long time. Like, we get Saeed again. We get all of our characters kind of working together and working off in little pockets. You know, we have Jin and Sun in the same episode, I mean, they're not together, but they're at least there. I think Mm -hmm. the only person that we really don't have that, you know, we miss, obviously, I miss, is um, Desmond. But I think the rest of the main cast is all in it.
2: Do we even get Desmond again before this season is over? No. I was going to say, I don't think we do.
1: We don't, yeah, we don't get him again until next season. But I think we do get, we get him again before the finale cuz like we don't see Daniel again until the finale of the ep- of the series.
2: Oh, there's a there's a lot more Desmond to come.
1: Right. But I'm just saying like I'm just thinking about like characters that are totally done and cuz we see everybody in the finale. Like yes. that's it's that is like it's a reunion show.
2: <laughs> well, there's a there's a number of character I think there's at least one character I can think of that has died already on the show, but actually comes back as a relative regular for the six. Charlie. And that's Charlie. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Dominic Monaghan returns as a regular.
1: Well, he's guest. done filming Lord of the Rings now, so he can come was, back.
2: I don't know. I don't think Lord of the Rings. I could be totally wrong. That yeah, might've been. No, it's,
1: I think it's past Lord of the Rings. Cause he was so young on Lord of the Rings. And he's much older here. And Lord of the Rings came out like in the early 2000s. It came out in the early 2000s, which means that they were filming it probably they were already in the late done. 90s. Yeah,
2: because yeah, Lord of the Rings was three years. I remember distinctly going every year because it was right. every year they released another one because Peter Jackson filmed them all at the same time. Yeah. Right. And the first one was released in 2001. So they were already done filming at yeah. that point. Yeah. So, so yeah, he was already Lord of the Rings famous by the time. Yeah,
1: I remember. It. I think he that he's one of the reasons why I started watching the show because I was like, "Hey, that's awesome. It's Mary." And so, I was like, "Yeah, let's watch this."
2: But I'm pretty sure Charlie returns as a regular character in season mm-hmm. 6 for the Flash Sideways.
1: I can't wait for Flash Sideways to start happening. I really can't cuz it's such a trip. You know, it's- this episode is a trip. Like, first of all, before we start talking about other stuff, well, we're supposed to talk about follow the leader. <laughs> Can we actually start with the with with the watch? Oh no, the compass. Well that damn compass comes back into view again.
2: The compass comes back, and that is, that is one of my notes, but I want to jump back real quick just to sure, sure. the title of the episode, Follow the Leader, because I'm really questioning who is
1: that in this episode? Well, we have on one side we have Richard, Ben, and quote unquote Locke. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, we have Richard, <laughs> Eloise. <Jack. laughs> um and Jack. Meh, okay, Jack. Um You know, and but that's in like the others faction. And then you go over to the Dharma Initiative and you see that Radzinski has decided he's the leader now.
2: Yeah. The unhinged Radzinski. Right. Has kind of stepped up. And, you know, his
1: little right hand evil side man, Phil. And then Horace, you know, is just like, well, okay, I guess I'm not the leader anymore. It's like, well, not with that attitude. You're not.
2: But even still, like even in that sense, like you, you we mentioned Radzinski kind of steps up and takes over for Horace because Horace doesn't have the, I guess, the scrout to do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, is he really the leader, though? Because Sawyer still talks them into letting them go.
1: And that's the other thing is that Sawyer was the leader, at least of security. And I think that a lot of people kind of looked it up to him as a leader mm-hmm. in the three years that they were there and he is taken down as, you know, the head of security and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, but he I still tells them what to do and they do it. I know, but he's Sawyer and he has a way with people cause he's a con man.
2: True. Although in that moment, we might as well just talk about that, that whole thing. Now, Because in that moment, there's really there's really a moment where you're watching this and you're listening to everything happening. And you can kind of see that he's willing to make a sacrifice Mm -hmm. and the sacrifice this time isn't their freedom or their life. That to him is what's more important now. And it's not and it's not for him. It's for Juliet.
1: Yeah. Well, I think he was willing to die. Down there. As he was getting hit and hit and hit. Like, he's like, I'm not going to tell you anything, so you can kill me. That's fine. I don't care. But the minute that Phil struck Juliet, that was
2: different. Everything changed when Phil struck Juliet. And I don't even, I think it kind of changed before that, actually. I think there's a moment, like, you're right. I I fully agree he was willing to die. He was going to take as many hits Mm -hmm. as it took to he was never going to break no matter what they did to him. He was never going to break. I, and I totally agree when Phil hits Juliet, everything changes, but I think it kind of leans towards that. Even before that, when Juliet is pleading to them, like, you know, us, you've known us for three years. We're good people. And I think even then it might even sink in with Sawyer that this, this is what's important to her. She cares mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. And but then when Phil says, like, I know how to make him talk and strikes Juliet. Well, now you've kind of just you've rattled the cage at that point.
1: Wait, And with he Sawyer. poked the bear and you don't poke yeah. the Sawyer bear. You no. just don't poke the Sawyer bear. And I, I could just see Horace being like, oh, no, am I on the wrong side? Am I the bad guy? <laughs> Are we the bad guys?
2: <laughs> I could see that with Horace. I mean, Radzinski's unhinged. Like there's no, he thinks what he's doing is right.
1: I think that Horace in in this moment is like really caught in the middle here because while he wants to know what's going on and, you know, what's going on with Sawyer, you know, especially, he also doesn't approve of the methods that Radzinski and Phil are taking in order to get the information. And I mean, they go too far. They go way too far in trying to get this information.
2: Well, let's also not forget, too, from Horace's standpoint, Horace would not have a child or even a wife for Sawyer, Juliet and Kate. Right. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, I think there's a little bit of an instinct there that he's Horace is questioning what is happening because these people saved his wife and his child's life.
1: They're also good people and they've all lived Nicely together and friendly together for three years. Yeah. And I mean, okay, there's some stuff that's happening, but maybe we should all start talking to each other and listening to each other instead of accusing each other of doing whatever it is. Like Rudzinski, though. I mean, we've been setting this character up all season. He's never been stable. He's always been paranoid. He's always been secretive. Um, you know, when Saeed came, he's like, he saw the swan. He saw it. He saw my model. Well, screw you, man. Did he?
2: Well, I mean, and not only that, but we we know ultimately what Rodzinski's fate is anyway. And yeah. that that unhinged brain of his ends up on the roof of the hatch. Perfect. Um, right. It's, <laughs> it's and an I eloquent ending. I couldn't think of another tactful <laughs> way to put that. But like, we know that he is we, we're, we're seeing his unhingedness kind of build up to that when we when we look at how his fate how his ultimate fate we're kind of like yeah that makes sense yeah like he's he, he's gonna go a little crazy because he's already going down that road but he's also it's all kind that
1: radiation of, he's been around
2: well that's and that's the other thing too he's also kind of an outsider to the group he doesn't necessarily see the good things that sawyer and juliet have done because he's not part of dharmaville He's kind of on the outskirts. He's in another place. His yeah. only connection to Sawyer or Lafleur is when they are making patrol visits or mm-hmm. something has to be done. Phil, on the other hand, it's it's weird because when you look at Horace, you look at Radzinski and you look at Phil. Horace is kind of being held back because, as we mentioned, he's got a connection. He sees the good people that they are. He's saved their life. He's sa- He's saved his wife. He saved his child. He's got a more positive connection rodzintski's an outsider he sees things he's he's kind of disconnected from everything Phil's looking at this as a perspective of revenge like he's taking back like he's he's acting out on the fact that he's been tied up and struck and being held captive by these two people so he's more on in my opinion he's acting out of vengeance.
1: Yeah, but you know what I mean. There's acting out of vengeance, and then there's striking a woman in 1977.
2: True. Well, they're striking a woman at any point, but okay. I get what you're saying about the time.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm just saying like that was that was probably the most not unhinged because I mean, you see Rudzinski, and he's off the rails, but you see Phil, and it's like. He's trying to prove to, to Radzinski that he's on his level, but he doesn't know how to get to Sawyer because he's probably, you know, a wimpy, wimpy guy. And so he knows that he can hit the woman because he's at least going to be stronger than the woman. He doesn't know who Juliet is though, but you know, a tied up woman, he can, I mean, who hits a tied up woman? Who does that?
2: Somebody who wants to, somebody who wants to show power and no, not,
1: I, no, not power. Right. Dominance. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not even dominance though. It's just like, he just did it. I don't, I don't know. It, he's a weird dude, man. He's a weird character.
2: But you're absolutely right. If Juliet was not tied to that chair, Juliet, part of my language would have fucked him up. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Like they're like, Phil's a weasel. Yeah, he is. He's an absolute weasel, and like that, like, and that's just the thing. We know <clears throat> it's it, again. It's that showing that dominance because he can't strike Sawyer. Mm-hmm. Not not just because of the fact that he he sees that Sawyer won't break. Anything he does to Sawyer will make him feel inferior because mm-hmm. it's not going to affect Sawyer mm-hmm. if he even hurts Sawyer. He might not mm-hmm. even hurt Sawyer. Compared to everything Rizinski's just done to him, that's going to feel like a tap on the shoulder.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Whereas he has somebody who is ultimately at her weakest point because she is unable to defend herself. This is a show of dominance.
1: And she's not expecting it.
2: I don't know if anybody was expecting it because even, even though I've already seen this episode, it still kind of took me by surprise. Mm-hmm watching it
1: again. I mean, when he said I know how to get him to talk, I knew I knew exactly where it was going cuz there's nothing that you could do to Sawyer that's ever going to change his thinking, yeah. you know? Cuz Sawyer's had everything kind of done to him. You yeah. know, he's been tortured by these people over and over just, you know, 30 years in the future. Um but when he hauls off and hits the woman that Sawyer loves, that's when you get the rabid animal that is always inside of Sawyer.
2: You know, well, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, and even showing further that disconnect that Rodzinski has to mm-hmm. everybody is that like Phil knows that Juliet is the we- is Sawyer's weak point, kryptonite, but, but yet Rodzinski is still calling Kate his girlfriend. That kind of is- shows that kind of shows the disconnect that Radzinski has right to Sawyer and Juliet.
1: Right. He
2: he doesn't know Juliet is his weak point. He thinks Tate is because that's that's an interesting
1: perspective. Mm -hmm. No, you're, you're right. That's, that's an interesting perspective. Cause I thought that he was just doing it to get a rise out of Sawyer and Juliet by, you know, but you're right. I mean, Radzinski has no idea what's going on with anybody at any point. You know, when when Dr. Chang comes in and Radzinski starts yelling at him, I'm like, whoa, whoa, "What are you doing, man? What that's that's Dr. Chang? I'm the <laughs> captain now." Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, look yeah, in, look at me, look at me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm the captain I'm the now. Captain now. It, yeah, it's it, you're right. I mean, and and then when he tells jo- Dr. Uh, Dr. Chang, like, I'm the one that's in charge now. It's like. Who di- who made that decision? Obviously, nobody. Other than you, yeah, you were the one that ultimately made that decision yourself, right? You put yourself in charge, and it's like I know how you're going to die, but I hope it happens sooner.
1: I'd like for it to happen Have now. Been-
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would like. Uh, yeah, I I would like your death to come uh, before the hatch.
1: Yes, that'd but be nice. But we know that's
2: not going to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you kill Radzinski right now. In this episode, then you really can change everything. You know, you don't have to just go back and find the hydrogen bomb. You don't have to go back and do this or do that or whatever. Like find out, you know, who's the person that we can just take out real quick that isn't a child, and maybe that'll derail everything.
2: Yeah, because we've already seen the taking trying to take out a child hasn't worked.
1: Right. Well, not to mention it really doesn't show a good color on Jack.
2: Though this is also true. Or Saeed. Yes. Or or anybody for right. that matter. I mean, it's
1: which just- also leads me to talk about Jack for a moment, if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah. Go okay. So he's sitting there and he's in the bushes with Kate and he's like, well, you know, what if this is exactly how we change everything? What if, you know what Daniel is saying we have to do blah, blah, blah. And then Kate's looking at him going, but you wouldn't like, I, I don't understand Jack's thinking. Like he doesn't want, Now he wants to change things, and this is his purpose for being there. But when Ben had been shot, he didn't want to change anything because he's like, hey, what's already happened has happened. Uh, This isn't my purpose to be here. So it's just interesting to me how he chooses what his purpose is on the island, like, at will. Yeah. What do you think about that?
2: I I agree. It's kind of... I hate making this comparison because it might turn some of the viewers away. And if it does, I apologize. But it's it's kind of like people who follow religion and the Bible. It's kind of like you can't pick and choose what you want to follow. It's all or nothing. So you can't decide that fate, this is what fate is supposed to be when it's there, to when you think it's going to help you. But then decide like, oh, we can change things if you feel that's going to help you. Like, no, you can't. You can't pick and choose, Jack, whether or not things are meant, set in motion or you can change things. You have to believe it's one or the other. Right. And Kate is of that ilk right now where she's like, well, like this isn't going to change anything. Right. And Jack's like, well, if we detonate this bomb, everything changes. And I love that there's a further <laughs> I love that there's a further moment when after we see them come out of the tunnel into the temple, and Saeed puts it perfectly, he's like, Well, either you undo everything or you put us out of our misery.
1: I loved that. He was like, I'm good with either.
2: Yeah. (laughs) At this point, it's like, okay, but I'd also, I, I, I kind of want to, we'll kind of shift a little bit into this too, because there's a very interesting dynamic in that whole Kate and uh, Kate and Jack conversation. Um, We talked a little bit about this last episode as to where their lives would be if everything is undone. Kate is back on the run. Sawyer Jack is back to being a doctor just focusing on these two characters Mm -hmm. and not everybody else
1: and dealing with the fallout of his dad's death Uh,
2: exactly Um, which could lead him to drinking or what have you but even not looking past that because Jack obviously doesn't know that's where it will be he thinks everything goes back to normal he goes back to being a a well-known surgeon Mm -hmm. very you know very capable well respected. surgeon, well-respected, part of society. Kate goes back to being on the run. And, you know, when when he's like, well, we erased all of the misery that we've had. And Kate says it hasn't been all misery. It's very interesting to look at that from that perspective and where they were in life to where they are now. Because Kate's life got arguably better. She's free. She has met people she has connected with where she's otherwise been alone up until this point on the run, whereas Jack has kind of been downgraded. He's no longer part of society. He has he has lost people. So to him, things have been have gone miserable. But where to Kate, they've gotten better.
1: And it's interesting that you bring that up because this is in my notes as well, because. That's the whole thing. And I think that that's like the whole kind of metaphor of this show is that we spend so much time trying to fix whatever it is that we've done in the past to undo it or go back to a time where things used to be easier or better or whatnot without really saying like, okay, I'm on this journey and I need to grow and how am I going to grow from this? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what this whole show is. It's that you can't just light a hydrogen bomb and think that that's going to fix all your problems. You know, I mean, you see Kate and Kate, Kate went back to face the music. I mean, she got on that helicopter knowing that she was going to go back and be rescued and have to face the music about being a fugitive on the run. She knew that and she grew from it. She agreed to be on the um on the pro- 10 year probation. Was it 10 years?
2: I think so. Yeah. Probation? Right? I don't remember exactly.
1: But it was something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was she was working on it, she had become a mom, she had really reached to better herself. And Jack, Jack gets on this this helicopter thingy, everything's gonna be the same. I'm gonna go back to my life. And my life was so great before. No, it wasn't. It sucked, man. You you lost your wife, you your dad was dead, you were kind of not on a good trajectory. I mean, yeah, you are a surgeon, but that's really all, all he had. That's it, that's all he well, had. Well,
2: actually, that, even that gets taken away from him too, right. when he becomes an alcoholic and he gets addicted to drugs. Because like, he doesn't he loses grow. That.
1: Right, because he doesn't grow. He spends too much of his time trying to figure out, tr- first of all, trying to cover a lie that he mm-hmm. started. And secondly, he alienated himself from every all of the other survivors because he made all of them lie. They didn't want to lie. And now they're caught in this stupid lie. So everybody has all of this guilt and this, um, this yearning to go back to what they had before, whether it's on the island or before the island or whatnot. Kate is the only one really that just kind of rolled with the punches and moved forward with her life. And she made something of herself. And she's saying, even though knowing that that is you know, she still got on the plane to come back to the island to do the right thing. And she's she understands that it's not going to be the same no matter what, if they go back. Like things, things were bad and they were good. There was misery, but there was also joy. And mm. it's like when you're caught in this misery cycle, you don't pause enough to realize that there's a lot of joy in your misery. You just have to be able to find it. I don't know. I'm getting a little existential here.
2: No, no, I, I, I totally agree. And one of the other things I think, I I think is fun is not fun, but interesting to look at too, with, with everything like taking Jack's perspective and Mm -hmm. let's just say he's right and detonating, detonating this hydro bomb erases all the misery that they went through and changes their lives back to what it was. Everything's undone. They're back to living their lives. That's great. But if that's the case, It's an incredibly selfish move, not just for the sake of Kate, you know, having improved her life and gotten through it and figured out how to do it, like and putting her back on the run the way she was like you are Mm -hmm. setting you are sending her backwards by doing Mm -hmm. this. Right. But if this is something that hasn't been done before, but doing this changes everything, Let's take a look at that one thing that you are doing to change it, and that is detonating a hydrogen bomb. There are other people on this island that you are sending to their deaths in order to better your own life.
1: So, very selfishly, you're it absolutely is an incredibly right. Incredibly selfish move mm-hmm. to do this. Especially when he's looking into the eyes of this woman that he has claimed to love for the past three years, knowing that he would be sending her back to an arrested state. Yeah,
2: to being a fugitive on mm-hmm. the run.
1: No, not on the run. She was caught.
2: Oh, that's right. She was caught. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: mean, that's she right. was going to go to jail. Her mom that's right. You her you, out.
2: You said that last week, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it's ridiculous to me. And I, and you know, how can your purpose be to only better your life? And that's how just can it, Eloise it, Hawking send you there with the purpose of only bettering Jack Shepard's life?
2: Well, I mean, even thinking about it from Eloise Hawkins standpoint too, like the, she's making a huge sacrifice. Because she knows what the outcome of this is. She,
1: but she, is she? But is she? Because because if she never sent them back, Daniel would have never died. I well.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Because if she you're right, if she didn't send them back. But see, here's the thing though. Again, it's this vicious circle which is going to send us back to the compass because the compass...
1: Oh, no, we're getting is, to the
2: compass. Is the, <laughs> it, the compass is the circle. I mean, it's basically the circle. Um, you know, and then we're just seeing everything from a larger perspective outside of the compass right. as a bigger circle. But it is that circle where, okay, if she doesn't send them back, my son doesn't die. But what changes? Like... The changes could be even more, well, they could be even more drastic than they are. So she sends them back because this circle needs to be completed.
1: Yeah, but Daniel is already on the island. So he gets back to the island and Jack and Kate can't take him to go see the others or the hostels or Eloise or, or whatnot because there's no one to take him there.
2: True. Well, that's what I mean. There's no way to take him there. He doesn't get caught up in all the the time jumping. He doesn't end up in 1977. He doesn't get shot by Eloise and he doesn't die.
1: No, no, no. He still time jumps, still time jumps. He's still on the island. What I'm saying is, is that they're all there. Sawyer and Juliet and Jin and Miles and and Faraday. I think I've said all of them. They're all still there on the island. And everybody that got off the island on the helicopter 3 years later they're still there and they're just living their lives i mean jin never wanted sun to come back jin True. wanted sun to raise their child and, and give their child the best possible life that they could have her coming back to the island means that she's abandoning their child which is exactly what jin didn't want to happen Saeed, who oh Saeed? so you mean
2: you mean if eloise didn't send the the original ocean Correct. six back Correct. to the island okay back
1: to the island yes that's okay. where i am Okay.
2: I mean, that does obviously change many things, but let's try and figure out what happens if he doesn't send them, if she doesn't send them back. It kind of of breaks the timeline a little bit, because if she doesn't send them back, then the events won't play out that originally got Daniel to the island to begin with.
1: Ben would never be shot and then go over to the hostels.
2: Ben. Well, even putting Ben aside, if it's sending the oceanic six, that gets everybody. Hold on. I'm trying to, I'm trying to see how this plays out. Cause I, there has, again, the timeline is wonky at this point. I'm trying to play this out in my head. So if she doesn't send them back, they, they don't become complicated where all of this stuff, they need to get to the hydrogen bomb. So Daniel never goes to that camp. He never gets shot. Daniel survives. But he survives as a scientist in Ann Arbor. He's in Michigan. Which always confused me. Like, you're taking a sub, but you're going to Ann Arbor? How does that work? You know... I'm sure Are there's they, planes. I'm sure there's planes involved.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they go <laughs> they to space in a Fiero. God,
2: gods don't bring up that amazing film franchise. <laughs> 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 um, I'm sure they go to like Seattle and then take a plane to Ann Arbor, but whatever. That's besides the point. I don't know. I don't know how her not sending them back would have made things different for the worst.
1: It wouldn't. It would make it different for the better.
2: Well, okay. Will it though? Because, yeah, it would. Because <laughs> I'm even. I'm even trying to put a perspective on this from the future, considering the man in black. Because the man in black,
1: then the man in black never never takes on a human form.
2: He, he never takes on a human form in the form of John Locke. And he never has a way to get off the island.
1: Ben never goes back, which makes everybody happy on the island.
2: <laughs> which makes everybody happy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. You're right. It's a major. There has to be some kind of logic behind Eloise. And maybe we just haven't seen it yet. Maybe we forgot something. And maybe it's something that hasn't come up yet. It's going to be in the incident. Flash or, Flash sideways that we're going to get the reveal. So we'll kind of we'll put a pin because we're going to spend too much time Your trying brain to hurt, figure this doesn't out. Doesn't it? I f- it's dribbling out in my earphone, yeah, um, I see it. It's yeah. oozing. Yeah. If you're watching the video <laughs> on YouTube, it's it it's not really there. Um, <laughs> it's it's not happening. Again. Um. Okay. So let's talk about since we already brought it up. Let's talk about the compass.
1: Compass paradox.
2: Because it was so great seeing the crossing of the timeline. Mm hmm. Yes. Seeing, going back to that moment where John Locke is jumping through time, he's shot. Richard comes out of the, the jungle to remove the bullet, help him, give him the compass, and say, like, you have to give this back to me. Like, next time you see me. Like, that was completing the circle.
1: The circle that John created.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, it's a he co-creation.
1: Originally gives the compass to Richard in the 50s.
2: Yes. Yes. And then it's a co- then- it's a co-created circle. It's created by John Locke but it's also created by the man in black because John Locke is the one that gives Richard the compass in the 50s but it's the man in black that tells Richard to give the compass to John Locke so to to literally re to connect the circle
1: right and i but okay but <laughs>
2: Fucking compass,
1: <laughs> who had the compass first? Like, where did the compass come from? What
2: came first, the chicken or the egg? We don't, it's it, it,
1: that's you know the, the Walking B- Dead did those mini, mini episodes of the red machete. Yes, okay. Can we have mini episodes on the compass? Because I'd compass? really like to know where the compass came from.
2: Well, I mean, and the compass has been such a big part of this entire story in such a great underlying way, like even to that moment where Richard Albert visits the young John Locke and he puts all those items on the table and tells him to choose one,
1: yeah. and
2: John chooses the knife, and we're like, well, how is that the wrong one? Like, we know John is an adventure and everything, right? and now it's like, oh, well, the compass was the obvious. He should obvious. have chosen
1: the compass. He
2: should have chosen the compass.
1: And he's like, you're not ready, and he walks out, and he's angry, and you're just like, Richard, just okay? like.'" <laughs> <laughs> Richard. <laughs> Golly. You know? And I mean, he, he. I love how surprised Richard is to see John, like, through the years, not age when really Richard, Richard's been there the whole time and he's never aged. Right? It's like, okay, like, how are you surprised <laughs> by this when
2: you're the same exact way?
1: You've been the same for like 300 years, man. So like, let's not split hairs here. <laughs> Look, your eyeliner has
2: not worn off since the seventeen hundreds.
1: He it's had like- almost no eyeliner though, this episode. Like, I don't know if they've covered it with makeup or redigital digitized it or something like that, but like <laughs> his face is clear because I noticed that I'm like, ooh, you don't look so mysterious today.
2: I know it's a running joke about the, the guy liner that Richard wears, but it's like it's it's still fun.
1: <laughs> Poor, Nestor. Um, Poor Nestor. Poor Nestor Carbonall. He's
2: such a great actor too. Like. He,
1: I love him on the show. He's one of my favorite characters on the show, and I wish that we had more of him. But well, it's we're like, getting more. But like every single time that you get him, you only get him for little snippets. You know what I mean? And he's and he's such a mysterious character. So he's, it's fun. Richard it's fun is such an when ending, he shows uh, up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he must getting- have loved
2: that role. And getting more and more to that story every time. and But they leave it at such an incredible mystery because you're right. Like, we see him in the 50s. We see him in the 70s. We see him in the present day. We see him back in the 1700s, and he has not changed. Oh, his hair changed. Come on. Well, because I think when we see him like
1: <laughs> He at, got a haircut, Ben.
2: <laughs> and a shave. Yeah. And in big shave because I think he had like a big beard when he was on the black, uh, the um, the black rock, black
1: pearl, black rock, black. Pearl. I almost said the black pearl too. I <laughs> I, uh,
2: I was correcting that in my head as I was <laughs> saying it, and then you went right to it.
1: I did, of course, I did. Well, they're both. He is ships. Jack Sparrow. Okay, so yeah. you know, no, wasn't it? It was a slave ship. It wasn't pirate ship.
2: Slave ship. Yeah, you're right. Yeah which we are getting it's one of those things that like I can't wait when we talk about the incident because we get more of the Black Rock next episode.
1: Perfect. Yeah, perfect. We get more so, of
2: Richard in the Black Rock next episode.
1: Okay, so Locke needed to be guided to get off the island so that he could die and come back so the man in black could have a body.
2: Yes. Um, okay.
1: Did the same thing happen for Jacob?
2: No, um, okay. So I I'm gonna go a little bit of spoiler on this but one. But do you know this, what I'm
1: talking about here? It
2: it it is. I do. I do. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go spoiler a little bit on this one, and I will dive a little You're bit a into what I learned
1: podcast, ben.
2: but I'm gonna I'm gonna dive a little bit more into what I learned about the man in black, and I think it does come in the incident. I think is when we get it. Uh the 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 thing behind the man in black is that he and jacob are brothers right uh jacob is put in charge of the heart of the island by their mother right. the man in black takes offense to that um, attempts to kill jacob but in return jacob is killed in a physical form and that is when the black smoke monster releases and it's basically the conscience of the man in black is the black smoke monster. Jacob, Wait, you said
1: Jacob gets killed and in-
2: Not Jacob the man in black. There you um, go. So the black smoke monster is the conscience consciousness right, of, of, of the, the man, man in black. black,
1: which we've already talked about and we already know. Exactly. Jacob
2: basically curses the man in black and tells him that he is never allowed to leave the island. And the man in black tells him, I will find a loophole.
1: And he finds the loophole.
2: I will find the loophole to not only leave this island, but to also kill you. Um, That is a conversation I believe we get either at the beginning of the incident part one or the incident part two. It's one of those episodes. Well, the we incident
1: part one, the opening episode, if I if the opening of the episode, if I recall correctly, is the chess game.
2: Okay, so then that is the conversation. Yeah. Where they talk about the loophole.
1: Yes, 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 because that, yeah.
2: So the loophole is basically the man in black has to find somebody to embody in order to leave the island. That is what he is doing. But before he can leave the island, Jacob must die.
1: Okay, that's fine. But why didn't he use any number of bodies that have dropped? Since well, the start of this.
2: And that's my question about that, too, because it even says in the wiki, and this is kind of an answer to a question we've long had, is who was embodying Christian Shepherd? It was the man in black.
1: But he was doing good things. Was he, though? I don't know. <laughs>
2: were so quick on that it's like he was doing good things was he though i don't know
1: because i didn't want you to ask me to back it up
2: <laughs> uh, no i wasn't going to ask you to back it up. Just yes like, you
1: did when you said is he though that's you saying back it up <laughs> but i mean
2: if we were we're not going to do it now but if we were to go back and look at everything christian shepherd has done and the influence he has had were they all good things that's something we're going to have to go back and look at at some point because i honestly don't remember either um it was also that he was, there was one other one. There were two other things that he was. Um, He was Christian Shepard. Uh, let's see. I got to look up the page again. He was Christian Shepard. But one of my favorite things that it says he was, oh, he was Yemi, which is um, Mr. Echo's brother. Yes. He was Alex, which we knew and predicted when he was talking to Ben in the temple. She was talking right. to Ben in the temple. <laughs> that was such a um, good scene. But the, it also lists in there that the one thing the man in black also was was the spider that bit Nikki and Paulo. And I was like, oh, so he did do good things.
1: <laughs> that has to be made up.
2: I'd say in the wiki.
1: No, no, somebody put that in there and then nobody deleted it. That <laughs> can't be right. I don't it cannot ca- be right. I don't
2: care if it's right or not. <laughs> we question whether or not he did good things. and I'm like, yeah, he at least did one good thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he took out well, he was... Nikki and Apollo.
1: He was also... Didn't... Oh, gosh. Maybe that's a season six thing. So never mind.
2: Uh, yeah. So, yeah. He he returns in the form of Echo's brother, Yemi. Uh, let's see. He He's Christian Shepherd. So any... But that also answers the question of... Whether or not Charlie appearing to Hurley was also the man in black, or anybody else appearing to anybody off the island was the man in black, the definitive answer is no.
1: Because he can't leave the island. He cannot leave the island. So it had to have been Jacob.
2: It has to be Jacob. Okay. Yes. So Charlie appearing to Hurley is Jacob. Anybody else appearing to anybody off the island is Jacob. Anybody appearing to anybody on the island is the man in black. Okay. So... That puts the nail in for that. That answers the
1: question. So I have. I got to go back to the compass. Yeah. So in the 1950s, Locke gives Richard the compass to give to Locke later. Right. Okay. Okay. In 2007, John gets the compass from Richard, who got it from Locke as he watched. Yes. Okay. So are we, are we to say that? Richard has had the compass in his pocket for over 50 years. I would think day. so. There's no other time that we have compass here. Like, did anything happen with the compass in the seventies? Cause we spend so much time in the seventies. Well,
2: when I don't think anything happens in the seventies on the Island, I think the only thing that happens with the compass in the seventies is when Richard visits young John Locke. But that's off the island.
1: Off the island.
2: That's off the island.
1: And that was in the 70s, you think?
2: Well, if you look at the age of John Locke, I would would have to say maybe late 60s, early 70s. Right. Because John Locke at that point was five or six years old. If not, maybe younger. So it could have been mid-60s.
1: So So off island, Richard goes to Locke. Who doesn't know what that compass is?
2: true yeah he he's not aware of what the compass is but it's very interesting like even looking at it as you're saying it it made me think like okay this compass is a full circle but there are still definite definitely two halves to the circle
1: mm.
2: because there is the moment where Locke in quotations hands it has Richard give it to John Locke John Locke then has it jumping through time to until he's he gives it to Richard in the in the 50s or whatever time period that was and then again it's not given again to John to wait a minute do i have that how do i hold on
1: no you you've got it right
2: yeah cuz richard has it the whole time yeah so half the time half of not half the time because richard obviously has this compass for a much longer period of time when you look at linear. Mm -hmm. But as far as the circle goes, Richard has it half the circle. John Locke has it the other half.
1: Yeah. John Locke doesn't have it very long. When, like I said, if you look at it
2: linear for timeline wise, you're right. He doesn't have it very long at all. So John has it most
1: of the time. So John Locke was just an opportunity for the Man in Black. There was nothing special about him. There was nothing that made him the one. It was just a matter of proving to Locke that he was the one in order for him to do the Man in Black's bidding so that he would die off island and eventually be brought back to the island by Eloise Hawking so that he could use the vessel of John Locke as his loophole. So does that mean that Eloise Hawking would be involved with the man in black or does she just not know any of what is happening?
2: Maybe she's just another puzzle. Piece. She's just another chess piece in the man in black's game.
1: Right? Because she's, all this is, is a chess game between Jacob and the man in black. That's all Jacob it and is. The man in black. Oh yeah. I mean, it's when the, you boil every, down the show, that's all it is.
2: Well, we talked about that last episode right. too, in that like, not everybody is a pawn. There are Kings, Queens, Knights, right. Rooks, everybody, everybody's mm-hmm. a piece. Eloise and Richard or Eloise and Charles Whitmore are just, bigger they're more important pieces
1: oh hotwood came boots. back this year yeah I was, Or this, well, this this week hotwood more yeah hotwood I was waiting for it on a horse hotwood more on a horse yeah
2: and it was uh, it was it was interesting that jack's face got to meet charles's boot
1: you know I'm gonna say he deserved it <laughs> oh speaking if- of faces being all bloodied up did you notice that sawyer's face was completely healed by the time he was on the submarine
2: they probably wash his face
1: or it's the island's healing properties that too um
2: interesting and I, I, I don't know if we need to go back to the compass or not because it's 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 very convoluted and it's i don't know if there's we've
1: been a- talking about the compass for like 20 minutes I,
2: <laughs> have we
1: been talking about it for that long i think so
2: um yeah, it's actually the very first note I have is Jack's face meets Whitmore's boot. It's awesome. Uh, right? <laughs> um, there's a couple lines of dialogue in this episode that I thought were really interesting. Okay. Because because some of them kind of have double meaning, meanings now.
1: What? Lost um, has double meanings?
2: I know. Who would have thought? Oh, my gosh. This is a major plot well, that, twist. Well, one line in particular, I think, has a double meaning. Um, so uh, obvious, So, the, the episode we, we see in the beginning of the episode, Ben and son and John Locke, um, <laughs> quote unquote, John Locke, quote unquote, John Locke, walk into Richard's camp and Jean is questioning or son is questioning Richard about like she has the picture of all of them from the 70s and he tells them like, you know, I watched them all die and it's like, okay. Now we're on. Like, let's get this story rolling. Because, yeah, what do you mean by that? What I are need you talking know. about? E- exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, and that could very clearly be like they disappeared. Like they, the incident happened. He, they're all assumed to be dead, right? To them, but that's, you know, it. it
1: I I was reading in the trivia today that um, there is. I don't know if it's a deleted scene or if it's still there because I don't remember. Of course, like pockets of of the next season um that um they they there is a shot of richard watching a huge bright white light that envelops um the hydrogen bomb going off i'm thinking to myself i mean there's a way out to that nobody died in that if you have that huge bright light because that's the huge bright light is also i mean it's a hydrogen bomb but it's also how they were skipping through time a lot so you never really know
2: well, that's what is I, my I, point, but if that's and that, and I could see why that scene might have been deleted is because it could be very confusing as to what that is because it makes it um, vague. It does. It makes it very vague. Right. Um, I mean, we've seen bright white lights before, and, and it's usually a release of that electromagnetic energy mm-hmm. just surging out, which right. would kind of, I think, maybe make it easier to understand what happened to them like Ugh. it's not a hydrogen bomb that goes off it's just the energy was released mm-hmm. so maybe they took it out because they wanted to add a little bit of mystery to it like okay what happened
1: mm-hmm.
2: because if you keep that in it's yeah. it kind of it's like oh well it was just the electromagnetic energy was released right so um but there so there's I love the moment where Richard says to to John Locke there's something different about you because mm-hmm. he knows um, but the line that I think has a little, a little bit of double meaning, Ben comes walking up, and Richard's like, "What is he doing here?" Locke replies, "He helped me get back."
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Which I think there's a little bit of double meaning in that because one, there's the most obvious one in that he helped him get back to the island.
1: Mm-hmm. He helped Loc- like John Locke, not he quote, helped, unquote John Locke.
2: He helped John Locke right. get back to the island, but since we know. He's not John Locke, and we will soon learn that he's not John Locke. He is the physical embodiment of he's actually not even like, and when we say physical embodiment, like he's not even possessing John Locke, he's just taking the form right of John Locke. Right. Because we're going to see the real John Locke in the finale.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but like when he's speaking from the man in blacks perspective. Mm-hmm he helped me get back. Right. Meaning physical form.
1: I did like that line for that reason. I thought that was great. And what do you think, like, if Ben knew that killing John Locke meant that the man in black would be using John Locke's body, Ben would never have done that. Because he was a soldier for Jacob as far as he was concerned.
2: Well, it's very interesting that you bring that up because if you think about that, I don't think Ben knows who the man in black is. I don't even think he knows the man in black even exists. I
1: think Ben thinks he knows a lot more than he knows.
2: Yeah, but remember in the conversation between Ben and quote unquote John Locke, John Locke fully calls out Ben in that Ben has never met Jacob.
1: They've never met. Well, nobody's ever seen Jacob. I think that's the whole thing. Richard has. Okay. Okay.
2: Richard, Richard, and I think some of Richard's people have absolutely met Jacob. I, because we do know that Jacob, we were going to find out in the finale, Jacob does exist. He is right. a real person, well, right? Um,
1: that actor will but, forever be Jacob to me,
2: even though he's only in two episodes, which sucks. <laughs> he's only in the finale,
1: which sucks. No, he's we see in him a little so bit. So many episodes. Mm, There's the episodes in, where in he's flashback form. Yeah, where he's crossing where he's, you know, connecting with all of the different
2: Well, that's what I mean. Characters. In flat in flashback form, he's in a bunch of episodes. Yeah. As far as present day, spoiler, Jacob dies in the finale.
1: That's fine. Jacob yeah. needed to die.
2: <laughs> but again, like the fact that Ben has never met Jacob, you're right. Ben leads on that he knows more than he actually right. does. So from that point of view, I don't, because I don't even think Richard, oh no, Richard does know the man in black exists. We'll find that out in the, in the finale, but short of Richard and Jacob, I don't think anybody really knows the man in black actually exists because as far as many people are concerned, he's dead, right? So I don't think knowing what, if. If Ben knew that would have changed anything only because he doesn't know who the man in black is.
1: But what I'm saying is he's is not a threat. If, if he knew who it was and when what he was, I don't know that he would be on board with any of what oh, he's I don't been think he, doing. You
2: know what I mean? I don't think I don't think he would because Ben is fully on board that he feels he is a guardian of that island.
1: Right, but he unleashes the smoke monster. So he he does a lot of the man in black's bidding without even knowing that that's what he's doing. Which He's a a pawn. But having never met Jacob, is he a guardian of the island, or was he always the man in black's pawn?
2: That's a good question.
1: I know. It's a great question. I,
2: I don't know the answer to that question. At least at this moment, I don't. Because there are definitely things about the incident I don't remember. I'm excited. I, I am too. Um, because there's going to be a lot of answers to questions. Um, the other thing that I did read in the wiki about the man in black that I will reveal now, because it does it's not a spoiler for the episode. But to everybody out there, and you and I have kind of, I know we've changed a couple people's minds about this, but... About the whole, like, the writers never knew where they were going and mm-hmm. all of this stuff. It's in the notes for the man in black that the writers knew from the beginning, from season one, with John Locke and Walt playing Blackgammon and the whole white and black pieces. Did you
1: say Blackgammon?
2: No, backgammon.
1: No, you said Blackgammon. I didn't mean it if I You did. messed it up. You're, you're
2: st- stupid. You're
1: stupid. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But the writers, they do say, the writers do note that from that first season moment with Walt and John playing backgammon, Mm -hmm. Ah. and the conversation of the white, some white, and some dark pieces, it was always in the right, it was always in the plan that light and dark were going to be physical embodiments of people.
1: Well, and that's, I mean, we talked about that back during that episode, with yeah. when John and Walt were playing that game, we we spent some time on the fact that they were playing with black and white pieces and that they were having this bigger conversation that they didn't even know was was layered. Mm-hmm. So.
2: Oh, yeah. That that moment was so much bigger than it was anybody
1: ever knew. Right. At that point. I wish that they would have kept Walt. They could have figured a way. They could have figured it out. I mean, they did end up using
2: him again this season, and it's just like...
1: But they should have brought him back. Yeah. They should have brought him. He would have been such an excellent addition.
2: Because I don't even think Michael's in the finale either. I think Harold Perrineau's done with the series at this point. I think we have seen... Do we see him again? I
1: don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Because he's... Yeah, We'll see. We'll talk about... We'll put a pin in that, too. We got a lot of pins and stuff. For later,
2: yeah, yeah, we do. Because yeah, I don't know if we see him. I can't remember if we see him again or not. Um, let's see. If I look through, where the hell is?
1: Come on. Oh, don't worry about it.
2: When did Lost end?
1: Later. Uh, I don't know.
2: Lost. There we go. Sixty-four episodes. His final episode was, oh yeah, he comes back in season six. Okay. He's in one episode in season six.
1: Yay.
2: It's not the, it's not the finale.
1: It's a flash sideways. Maybe
2: it's everybody loves Hugo. Yeah. It's a, Yay. yeah, we see, we'll, we, we will see Michael one more time. So just not in that final scene in the finale. Um. All right. So let's see. Looking at my, I do
1: have something that I want to talk about. Go for it. If you are finished with your current. So, Saeed, first of all, I love the fact that Naveen Andrews is back. I miss Saeed when he's gone. I think he's such an integral part of the show that when he's gone for long periods of time, I get a little antsy. So, I was happy to see him again. He had an interesting line in this episode where he asked why he trusted Eloise. And Jack said, because because she told them how they can get back to the island. Well, I don't know. I, I And I see that Saeed is dubious to this, and I completely agree. I, I'm completely on Saeed's side with this because it's, okay, well, she showed you how to get back to the island. We ended up in a different decade. Everything's going wrong. Daniel Faraday is now dead. Ben's not dead. We have to go, you know, explode a hydrogen bomb with, with past Eloise. Like everything is not like, how can you trust anything that Eloise is doing for a bigger picture? Because it seems that Eloise was doing some, like, I still don't know what Eloise was doing, getting everybody back to the Island just so she could kill her son. Cause she knew that she was going to kill her son. Yeah. You know? Um, but Saeed makes a very good point in being like, why are we trusting this person? Both, you know, both off Island and on the Island. And maybe, you know, they should have all taken a step back and followed Kate. Maybe they all should have gotten on the sub together and, you know, go invest in Microsoft and bet on the Cowboys game. And I I freaking
2: loved Sawyer's Biff Tannen moment. It was awesome. Like, like, yeah, we can bet on the Cowboys in the 70s.
1: Well, because then that would give them the money for them to invest in Microsoft later. And then they would really take off. Yeah. And it would all make sense. Like it wouldn't be too far out of the norm where people are like, if Tannen has arrived and taken over the world and stepped on a butterfly and, you know,
2: they could have invested in the Dharma initiative and bought the Island.
1: That would be an interesting turn of events. There's right. your reboot.
2: There's, there's our spinoff and yes. alternate timeline of lost.
1: Yes. But with an older Josh Holloway and Elizabeth Mitchell, cause they have to come back.
2: It's older. They're older, but it takes place in the early 80s. Yes.
1: Yes. I'm in uh, yes. Okay. So sorry. Right. Yes. I agree.
2: <laughs> it takes place in the mid to er, in the early to mid eighties.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's write it and send it into Fox.
2: We're just gonna get Josh <laughs> Holloway ABC. on the podcast and pitch it to him. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. He be here's like, your
2: reboot. Here's your reboot ABC. we will be
1: like, no. <laughs>
2: Now give us Disney money to make this happen.
1: No, I won't call. If I'm asking Josh Holloway for anything, I won't call any back.
2: Yeah, I know you were disappointed when that show went away. Anyway, back to your back to your point.
1: Anyways, it's not really a point. It's just that it, it, it's just that I don't. I I agree with Saeed in the fact that I don't understand why we're why Jack is putting so much trust into this woman. What do you think about that?
2: No, I I agree with that. And it kind of even makes a little sense, too, because there is a moment in that whole conversation with Jack and Kate where Jack calls out Kate. She's like, you know who you sound like. And I mean, the answer to that question is John Locke. Mm-hmm. Like John Locke, when he first got to that island and got heavily invested in that island, he was so short-sighted and one-tracked in his goal. Like it didn't matter what needed to happen. He had to make sure... Like he was so set on what needed to be done. Hmm. And that's how Jack is now. Jack has become, we talked about this. A couple He's now the ago. man of faith. He's the man of faith. He is the new John Locke because right. John Locke is dead.
1: Right. Maybe John, John Lock Locke has inhabited Jack's body.
2: Wouldn't that be interesting?
1: <laughs> the invasion of the Island Snatchers. So island Jack
2: Shepard is the one that's actually dead.
1: Ooh, there we go. Because, there is your movie.
2: <laughs> Sigh, smell a second spinoff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Jack has become the new man of faith in this instance. And he is very, just like John Wa- John Locke was in the early days of the show, Jack is very one track, short-sighted of his what needs to be done. The only difference is that this time around the one the path that jack wants to take unlike john's is as we mentioned it is incredibly selfish mm. it's more for himself as much as he probably refuses to admit it i think it's more for himself than anybody else hit the button oh i didn't have it prepared but um it's jack just sucks there, you there
1: go. we go thank you steve
2: Yeah, you said hit the button. I almost hit. Bullshit!
1: (laughs) But
2: but yeah, I think, I mean, some people might argue that, that like, no, Jack is genuinely trying to help people. And I think in his own mind, he really is. Mm. But When you look at it from a larger perspective, as we did earlier, it is incredibly selfish. Yes. Not only are you sending Kate back to a life she doesn't want to be a part of and was incredibly miserable, but you are condemning other people that you don't know to death.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: It's it's an incredibly Mm -hmm. selfish move.
1: Yep, I completely agree. I completely agree. It's a Ben Linus move. It
2: really is, because think about it. And not only is it incredibly selfish, he is so blind to that. He is literally working with the people it would ultimately end up killing. (laughs) He's working with Eloise. He's working with Richard. He's working with with, with, uh, Charles Whitmore. These people are not going to survive a hydrogen bomb detonated on that island. Right. You are ultimately... So, I mean, if you... You're, you're selling it to Eloise that, like, if we can set this bomb off, then your son never comes to the island and you never kill him. Yeah, that's because you're killing Eloise.
1: Yeah, but his, his, uh, his thought process is, is that it's not killing everybody if it's setting the timeline back in order. It's putting everything back into place. That's his reasoning. That's
2: his reasoning, but he's not realizing that, yes, it changes their timeline – but for everybody else, it's their present.
1: Mm. Mm, it's okay. like
2: they can die.
1: Yeah. Well, then because, well, even, then as what happens then? He, because even as Daniel
2: says, because even is that's what I mean. Because like, then Penny he, Penny is never born. Penny is ne- that's what I mean. Like that's why he's so he's so blinded by this that if the setting off that hydrogen bomb is going to kill Eloise, which means Daniel's never even he, forget coming to the island. He's never born.
1: He's. I think that Eloise is pregnant with him. Oh, she definitely
2: is. Because in no, that
1: moment, when he's she, touching in, her stomach, he's touching her right, stomach. Yeah, yep. you saw that too.
2: I did. She's absolutely pregnant with yeah. Daniel at that time.
1: So weird to be pregnant with the kid that you just killed. You
2: just murdered. I
1: don't know what I would... <laughs> that was just as too. That is too much for my well, but tiny again, brain. Like,
2: it, it is, but like I think that's one of the reasons why Eloise is so desperate to help them. Mm, Yeah, it's because she thinks she's totally she is so confused yet distraught Mm -hmm. learning all of this, knowing that the man she killed is her son. How did I write? How is this in my handwriting when I haven't written it? Well, that's because you haven't written it yet. It's it's such this wibbly wobbly timey wimey to quote Doctor Who moment of the timeline that she's distraught over murdering her son, that she's confused of how this is her son, that she's totally believing Jack.
1: And it's interesting that she doesn't tell Charles any of this.
2: Well, because I don't think she wants even the chance of Charles get that can stop her.
1: No, but she I don't doesn't, think she, she doesn't say like, she wants this Charles is our son it. dead on the floor.
2: Well, because I don't think Charles will believe it.
1: I guess and she probably I mean, knows that. Yeah, but I mean if if she opens up the journal and sees her handwriting and shows it to him and then, you know, like there's there's a sequence of events that could happen to get him on board, but this is probably the beginning of the end of their relationship because she probably becomes so singularly fixed on this moment in her life and writing that wrong and Charles probably is like I can't do this anymore. I got to walk away. You know, that that starts their divide.
2: Yeah. It's it's interesting to me, too, that, like, I mentioned how, like, if if you are to set off a hydrogen bomb on this island, these islands are not that large. They're large, but they're not that large that, like, even if they survive the blast, there will be fallout. Right. So nobody on this island is going to be immune from this hydrogen bomb. And, like, it's like, okay, like, yes, if I follow this man... And I help him get this bomb. Setting off this bomb sets their timeline right. She's not even thinking that, well, wait, I'm not going to survive this. Like, that's how blind to everything she is. Right. But also, so is Jack. Right. I mean, maybe it's maybe the writers were kind of like, oh, it's suspended belief. It's a TV show. Like, none of these people will survive this. No, in reality, nobody is surviving this on that (laughs) island. Nobody. Right. A hydrogen bomb detonated on this island will literally vaporize most of the island.
1: Right. Yeah. You're completely right. There's
2: no more Dharma Initiative. There's no more PR PR Chang. I almost said PF Chang's after that, which is a restaurant.
1: I like PF Chang's.
2: I do too. There's no more. Pierre Chang. There's no more others. There's nothing.
1: Miles gets to live.
2: Miles does get to live. Miles is the only one that gets to live. And Jacob might survive because there's something otherworldly about Jacob. Right. But I don't even think Richard would survive this.
1: Ah, uh, who knows? He, he might. has magic in him.
2: But I mean, there, there's just so many repercussions of this that they're not taking into account. Right. Right. By doing this. Well, Kate is. Kate walked away. Oh, well. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons why she got on the sub too. She got, she went back to Dharmaville to be put on that sub.
1: No, she didn't get want to get on the sub. She wanted to go and save everybody else and get them out. I don't well, think she wanted think, to go on the sub.
2: Well, but the, everybody else was already being evacuated. Right. I don't think she knew by going back to Dharmaville she would be put on that sub. Mm. But I think at that point in time, she's okay with it.
1: Yeah, she knows what's coming.
2: Yeah, you're right. Like, Kate, like, when the moment they captured her, they put her on the sub, she's thinking the same thing. Get me off this island.
1: You know what my favorite little, like, tiny moment of the entire episode was? Because I'm thinking about the sub, is when Miles saw that his whole life he had thought about his dad was a lie.
2: I loved that. Mm Mm-hmm. Realizing, what like when he awesome sees his moment. when he sees his dad yelling at his mom, mm-hmm. because that's what his mom has told him.
1: Because she never that, understood like, why.
2: Nope. And all his life has just been what his mother told him, and him getting to see it firsthand that he was li- he was doing nothing but protecting them
1: by On telling them Miles's recommendation.
2: Yep. It's another full circle.
1: And that's a crazy one because like miles is the way that he is because of miles.
2: Mhm. Yeah. I love I loved that moment too. I actually have that in my notes. Yeah. Um that Chang follows Hurley and they get in and, and Miles realizes why his father left. I love because it because of Miles. Yeah. Um let me see what else do I have in my notes. I oh so there's a moment in this episode, and it's not just this episode, but it's. It, anytime I see this in any television series or movie or whatever, I get so much anxiety from long swims underwater. Me
1: too, man. Me too. I don't like it. I start to no. get nervous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally I, with you I, on
2: this. I get so much anxiety. Yeah. So when Jack, when Eloise is saying, like, just follow Richard, there's an opening in the rocks. And Jack's like, like, he's taking this deep breaths." So I'm like, no, man. No, no, nope, no way. Nope. Like, I will. I'll stay here. You can go. Um, I'm not swimming to where I don't know where I'm going.
1: Right, exa- and and Richard left a long time ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's already
1: halfway <laughs> under.
2: Right, exactly. Like, there's no lights under the water. Just be like, like how Eloise,
1: how about if you going? go and I'll go right under you?
2: Yeah. I Yeah, exactly. Like, can we tie a rope to your ankle and I'll just follow you? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like, no, Richard's already gone. You go and I'll follow you because oh. you're right here.
1: Uh, and they're swimming in their shoes and their extra clothing. And, you know, like, nut, look, I'm totally with you on this. None of I, it makes I,
2: sense. I get so much anxiety from scenes like that.
1: Yeah. And then have you ever watched stuff like that and tried to hold your breath the whole time?
2: Um, I used to when I was younger, but now I, I realize <laughs> that like it's never that amount of time. It's always longer. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this is probably cut down. I'm not even going yeah. to try
1: Yeah. do this now. Well, it's like because he goes through the thing and you see the light and you're like, okay, there's a light. It's like, it's like right there. But he goes through another tunnel and I'm just like, okay, this is where I start to panic. Like, <laughs> what am I supposed yeah. to do? And then he swims up and you see him swimming up and you're like, go, go, keep going, please. Just
2: get out of the damn water yeah. already. Put your head above the water.
1: And then he comes Make up and me goes. Make feel better. But when he comes up, he goes, that was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. I'm like, why did you do it?
2: It's like, no, like, I just, I'm like, I- you you've just filled me with so much anxiety watching you do this. Yeah. And that does not come easy that does not happen easily with me.
1: Well, and you're going to swim uh, slower in all the clothing and shoes that you're in. And you're swimming blind. Right.
2: Even if you can open your eyes underwater, you're still swimming blind. Right.
1: Right. Because like even okay follow Richard okay I can't see him where where is Richard what rocks what rocks there's an opening at the rocks at the bottom well what rocks what bottom where
2: yeah and it's just that anxiety of I know he's gonna get to the other side because I've seen this but what if he doesn't
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know he has plot armor and everything but what if he doesn't
2: (laughs) what if he doesn't make it this time (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's like when I, I don't, whenever I watch Romeo and Juliet, I'm like, okay, maybe they're gonna live at the end. Maybe, right?
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe Jack will get on the door with her this time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's never gonna change, but there's always that little part of you that's like, well, maybe this time will be different.
1: Oh my gosh, you know, and <laughs> it's our fault.
2: <laughs> it, it really is. It really, it's our fault. It's it's our own damn fault. Um. I, re- I think I only really have two other notes. Um, unless you have anything else that you kind of want to dive into a little bit.
1: I don't. I hit everything.
2: Um, the only other notes I have are when, obviously, when Jack and Kate are taken captive and they're brought into the the others camp. It really makes me question who's in charge. Because in that moment, it seems like Eloise is.
1: Oh, Yeah. I believe it seems like Eloise is the in one charge. in charge. I think that even if she wasn't in charge, now that she's carrying Charles's baby, she's in charge of Charles, which makes her in charge. Oh God. I know. I I, I heard it. Let's move past it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's move past it. I heard it. Um <laughs> now I got the theme song Don't stuck in my head. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, yeah, I mean, but like. And it makes you question, like, okay, like, what makes them in charge? Because Richard obviously has been there longer than anybody. Let it go. Moving on.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Richard has been there longer than anybody. So why is Eloise the one that's in power? (sighs) You know, but I mean, again. Because
1: I don't think that Richard was ever a leader. Ever. Well, He's always been second in command or something like that.
2: Well, even Ben says it when they're when he's talking to Son about when Son's questioning who is that, like he's like, like he is an advisor. Right. He, that's a position he's had for a very long time. So maybe that's just it. Maybe he's just there more for he's the information guy. He's Google. He, he's Island Google. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. He's the he's the Grand faz, grandfazar of or the viceroy. He's not the the king. He's right. the, the accolade or the whatever you want to call him. He's an advisor. He's not he doesn't make the decision.
1: He is but Alexander he has Hamilton done. to George Washington.
2: There you go. Puts together the national treasury, all of that kind of yeah. stuff. But but he has made decisions on behalf of the others before. He's the one that decides to bring Ben in to save him.
1: So he does have some power. I think that he has final say on things when thing when uh, situations are tense. Yeah. And there's that's, a respect level there that, okay, Richard, Richard has finalized this. So that's what we're going to go with.
2: If Richard decides that if Richard decided, this is what we're doing, then we're going to go with.
1: Right. That. So maybe yeah. he is the de facto leader, but he just lets other people think that they're leading.
2: He, he relinquishes power. He shares the power.
1: Yeah, well, he's the ultimate leader. By not leading, he's the ultimate leader.
2: True. And that ultimately is kind of what Hurley is in the end as well.
1: Yeah. Okay, we've solved. Yeah. We've solved. Lost.
2: We don't need to cover any more episodes. Nope, we're we figured done. It out.
1: <laughs> it's been fun. Let's figure out the next show we're going to do. Bye.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing, the only other note I have, too, is we do have a little bit clearer definition of the timeline as to how long Dharma has been on the island. Um, And it comes from a conversation where Eloise says, when I was 17, I ran into this young man who told me to bury the bomb. Mm. And we did. But now there is an entire village on top of it. So if you look at the the age of what the actress was at that time, because I did. She was, at the time they recorded that, She at the time they filmed that she was 40 years old. Mm. I don't think she looks 40. So I'm going to say probably maybe mid thirties is what we're meant to believe Eloise is okay at that time in the seventies. So in the seventies mid she's mid thirties. So let's just say 37 to play it safe, which means 20 years have passed since they buried the bomb. Dharma wasn't there the whole time. So that gives us a clear picture that quite possibly Dharma has been there for, I'd say, no more than 10 to 15 years.
1: I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. That, Rizinski, that Dharma has only, yeah. And they, Rizinski's only been, only been there for like half of that.
2: Well, yeah, because I don't think they've all been there from the beginning.
1: No, I was just making a joke because Rizinski sucks. Oh, uh, well, yeah, he does. He absolutely does.
2: But yeah, I think we we get a little bit of better timeline that Dharma has been there maybe since the 60s.
1: Okay, I would agree they, with that
2: they arrived and that's when they started doing their research.
1: Okay. Fair. So that is it.
2: I have on my end for the notes. Me too. So uh, that leads us into feedback for the episode, which of course, again, we always encourage you guys to leave us feedback for the episodes or previous episodes or future episodes. Doesn't matter. Uh, Easiest way to do that. Go to revisitedpod.com. Check out the website there. You'll find links on where to subscribe, see the video versions of the podcast if you're not already watching, and how to email and leave us voicemails of feedback. Um, And on that note, our friend, we got a voicemail from our friend, Steve, as we always do. But Des actually left us feedback for last episode. I have that. Which you have. So let's start with that. Sure.
1: Okay. So this is an email from Des Combs. He says, Hey guys. So this week, no corrections, no justifications for Jack's pill popping misogynistic treatment of Kate or throwing on a shirt right out of the shower. (laughs) First off, I really enjoyed the last podcast. Kind of sneaky though. I can never find the video on YouTube until a couple days after I've already listened to it. This episode, I spent as much time trying to read the tattoo on Kristen's left arm as we used <laughs> as we used to spend trying to figure out what the hell Jack's gobbledygook ink was supposed to mean. Uh, Does it's an elephant?
2: There and. and- I will say, too, real quick, the reason for that being why he always tends to find the videos afterwards is because the podcast audio drops on Monday. Video versions don't drop until Wednesday. Got it. All right. So it takes a couple it because it takes a little longer to edit those. Plus, I like to give the audio time to kind of get some hits Mm -hmm. before we put the video version up.
1: Okay. There. There is one small thing I kind of disagree with. I do think yeah. Roger Workman Linus did change after Ben's shooting. Yes, he was a crappy father before and after, but there was change. I could be wrong, but I don't remember him being physically abusive before. He was uncaring and dismissive. He was unfairly blamed, he unfairly blamed Ben for the loss of his wife in their current situation. After the shooting, he did seem to show concern. When Ben went missing, he was extremely upset. He did care. It's been established when Ben returned to Dharmaville, he was different. I have a feeling Roger did try to do better, but over time he couldn't deal with new Ben. I'm not justifying anything Roger did, but even right before the purge, he tried to make some kind of amends. Yes, horribly crappy father, but I think there was some change. That's fair
2: i yeah, I can see I can see that side of the argument.
1: yeah. Was he really any worse a parent than Eloise Hawking? (laughs) She meets (laughs) Daniel as a young woman. Years later, she kills him. Then, when he's a child, she takes music away from him to concentrate on science. She does everything that she can to keep him from any kind of relationship then encourages him to go back to the island, knowing that she's going to kill him. Sidebar. The scene between Daniel and little Charlotte was about the creepiest thing I've seen <laughs> right up there with the sucker scene from walking dead. Dude. I totally agree. That whole scene with, with, uh, with Daniel and Charlotte is just, it's cringy.
2: What's the sucker scene from the walking dead? Oh, I don't, I can't remember. I i don't remember that. um, but no, we talked, I think we talked a little bit about that last week too, that it's just a really weird scene. Because as you mentioned, like as you mentioned last episode, how much Daniel cries.
1: Oh my gosh, it should have been called Daniel Cries. It, it seeing
2: like you're you're absolutely right. This little girl having this grown man crying in front of her, who she's never met before.
1: I'm not supposed to have chocolate before dinner. Well, you're not supposed to be talking to the creepy old guy on the swings either, little girl. Yeah,
2: yeah. You just saved this. You just saved this creepy old man from giving you chocolate by admitting you had it already.
1: <laughs>
2: like, you need to you get have off a the van. Island.
1: I could get into. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why aren't you dressed like a clown? Uh, it's oh, that made it creepy. Whew, I don't even want to talk about that. But yeah, no, I'm. You're absolutely right, Des. That was incredibly cringeworthy.
1: Thank you for Seeing your uh, email too, and thank you for saying you enjoyed last week's podcast. Usually, you've got more to say, so I, <laughs> I like it that we're uh, we're getting there.
2: Well, and and it'll be interesting because, as we mentioned, Des, hopefully, schedule permitting, um, is going to be joining us for the next episode where we talk about the incidents, part one and two.
1: It should totally so, be it, it. It I really it, it it's going to be a good time. I hope it Oh, happens.
2: it's going to be a great time. Yeah, it's yeah, it's going to be it's going to be. Des has been on before, and it's yeah. It's but I be, wasn't on. Aren't didn't you do didn't you two do one without me at one point? No, no. Okay, no. all right. Oh yeah, so this will be fun. It'll be fun next week. Uh, but that leads us to uh, the voicemail that we got from our friend Steve Brown. Yay, so, Steve! Let's play that, and it's going to be more live steving, which we always love.
0: Uh, but here we go. Okay, starting episode 15. Uh, what is this? Follow the leader? Great. Is this still the previous on? Because this conversation between uh, Kate and Jack, we didn't see in the previous episode about Jack. Maybe this is why I'm supposed to be here. The others have horses? Yeah, he did. <laughs> like, they just need to close his eyes. <laughs> oh, this is the Richard Albert story? Or is this the John Locke story? Oh, Richard can tell that there's something different about John. <laughs> I love the side-eye look from... Uh, son, as Ben says, oh, he's been here a very, very long time. (laughs) Oh! The Dharma Initiative is built on the grounds where they buried the bomb. Whoa. I don't remember how all this actually specifically plays out, so we'll find out over the next three episodes. But uh, yeah, isn't it like a Back to the Future thing that they end up actually causing the thing that makes the future happen? Oh, you bastard, Phil. You hit (laughs) Elizabeth Mitchell. You hit Juliet. (laughs) (laughs) Hurley just cracks. All right, dude, yeah, we're from the future. (laughs) Love it. Thank you, Eloise. Thank you for finally closing Daniel Faraday's eyes. Oh, so John just said, I am the leader now. So that's the whole plan, right? Was the man in black had to find somebody he could jump into who was a leader of the others. Oh, and now we're seeing what led up to Richard and John's interaction during the flashes, <laughs> out of nowhere Aves the day. Okay, Kristen, I hear it now. How I start so many, <laughs> oh, or ah. Oh. Crazy. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Sawyer's already planning out his Biff Tannen. We're going to buy Microsoft. <laughs> we're going to bet the Cowboys in the seventy-eight Super Bowl. Hey, I know Sawyer just said good riddance to the island, but I know he doesn't end up, I don't know how they get off the sub. So Jack just emerges, and this is the first time we've actually been in the temple, right? And we've we heard talk about the temple and stuff, but this is the first time we're actually in it, right? Oh, it's so amazing, this Juliet, Sawyer, the real world. We're going to get it, but, ah, oh, it's doomed. Oh, according to Ben, the pilgrimage to Jacob makes Richard uncomfortable. <laughs> so now we get the true mission of the man in black to kill Jacob. And now next week won't come fast enough. <laughs> Thanks. Steve.
1: I, love how, I love how into it Steve is. Cause he yeah. was, he was one of the doubtful ones at the beginning. And I'm so glad that he here. Oh, 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 <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get an opportunity for him to do a mic drop this week either. Cause they never say follow the leader at any point in the show. Oh,
1: following Which, the leader, the lead.
2: Um, he does bring up a couple good points. Um first off, we never we never mentioned that the whole objective is for Jacob is for Locke to kill Jacob. We kind of right. mentioned it in passing, but we never That's directly true. addressed that Ben finally realizes that John Locke in quotations is going to kill. That's why they're going to kill Jacob. Um but Steve did bring up a good point and it's something I never really realized.
1: I hope it's what I was about to say.
2: So the man in black has been able to take the form of other people over this time. We mentioned Christian Shepherd, We mentioned Yemi. But why is the form of John Locke so much more important than anybody else? And it's because whoever he takes the form of needs to have followers. He needs an influence to, because Christian Shepard can't just walk in there and kill Jacob. Right. Yemi can't just walk in there and kill Jacob. John Locke can have people lead him to Jacob. Because John Locke is a leader, or he was a leader.
1: Okay, but that makes more sense with the compass, too. Because a ha- man in black had to spend all that time setting up the fact that John was destined to be the leader when he yes. showed up. And that makes everything kind of fall into place. So, Steve, thank you so much. Thank you yeah. so much. That was such a good Piece of analysis.
2: It makes us realize how much more important John Locke was than any other form that he has taken.
1: Right. A hundred percent. Other
2: than Christian, other than Yemi, like anybody. This is why John was so important. Right. And taking the form of I'm, John was so important.
1: I'm stoked about this.
2: <laughs> yeah. That was, it was a great call, Steve. Um, And thank you for mentioning that on the on the voicemail too, because it kind of clicked in my head when you said that. I was like, "Oh yeah, oh, all right, that makes sense." (laughs) Um, The other thing that he mentioned in the voicemail too that we didn't (laughs) mention was that scene with Hurley and Pierre Chang, when he's like, "How like when were you born?" That oh, so you're four, so you're fifty years, or you're like you're forty years old. He's like, "Yeah, yeah." (laughs) Who's the president? All right, dude, you got us. We're, from the we're
1: totally from the future. It's, it's like when Thor, it's like Thor uh, in Endgame when he's like, totally from the future. <laughs> I love it because
2: Hurley did absolutely no research into any kind of a backstory.
1: Oh, no, because Didn't... remember, those were all the, the questions he was worried about when he got there. He's like, I don't yeah, know what year I, I was born. I don't know who the president is. <laughs> and and then he never, and he never bothers to look mm-hmm. into it at all. No, because he just was out like, the oh, "I'm in the, the kitchens. Questions. Life is good." He's like, "Who?" So that means you fought in the Korean War. It's That's a- not a thing yet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that oh my, I forgot about that too. Also, oh, that meant you fought, you fought in the Korean War. That's not a thing. Like I just <laughs> Who's
1: the cannot, president? Like, yeah, we're totally from the future. <laughs> yeah, we're totally from the
2: future. <laughs> God, I love Hurley so much. Yeah.
1: Well, he's he's <sighs> what everybody wants to say in those moments.
2: <laughs> it's God, it's he's such a great character. I agree. Uh, but thank you, Des. Thank you, Steve, for the for the feedback, obviously. And again, we encourage you to leave it. Revisitedpod.com yeah. is the easiest way uh, to do that uh recommendations for the week before we get out of here i think it's my week yes this week and i kind of showed you a little bit about mine before we started recording my recommendation for this week is a show on freebie which is part of amazon but you don't need amazon prime in order to watch it's totally free to watch it's kind of like pluto tv or or any of those. Uh, there is a series that debuted a couple weeks back on Freebie that ju- actually just wrapped up the first season. So you'll be able to knock out all eight episodes, and they're only a half hour. So it'll only take you like four hours to watch it. Um, It's a show called Jury Duty. That it's kind of like a... I had a friend relate it kind of like to the Joe Schmo show that was on Fox years oh, ago.
1: Oh, I remember Joe Schmo.
2: Um, The premise of the show is that there is a jury of 12 people uh, and they're deliberating on a on a case. The only thing is everybody in the jury, the judge, the lawyers, the the clients, everybody is an actor except for one person in the jury who is an actual person who thinks All of this is real. <laughs> this case is real. The, the people that are being deliberated against are real. Like, the judge is real. Um, it is so well done. And there's a lot of improv involved because everything is obviously one take because they can't yell cut at any point because right. this guy believes it ought to be real. Um, James Marsden, who you would know from Westworld or Cyclops from the X-Men movies, is one of the jury... He is one of the jury, one of the jurors. He plays this incredibly outrageous version of himself. That is absolutely hysterical. Um, But one of the other really cool things about it too, is how realistic it is because yes, everybody is an actor, but all the lawyers and like the DA, they are actual lawyers who went and became actors. That's Um, awesome. the judge is somebody who used to be an actual judge and became an actor. Actually, the judge is comedian Ike Barithold's father, who is, he was an actual, I was and might still be an actual judge, but does acting on the side. Oh, that's awesome. So they are people that absolutely know the law. They know what they're talking about. They're able to bring reality to all of this. Right. And it is just. It's so incredibly well done. It's incredibly funny. It's completely ridiculous. Um, so yeah, so jury duty on freebie. If you haven't heard of it or haven't had a chance to check it out, go to Amazon, look it up again. You don't need Prime. It's totally free to watch, and it's only eight episodes. And it's just, it's. I was totally in on this from the first episode. I love it. It's so ridiculous. Um, any final notes before we we wrap this up?
1: No, I'm good, actually. Cool. Yeah.
2: So yeah, so next episode, the incident part one and part two, we're gonna cover both episodes in the same episode of the podcast, hopefully with our friend Des joining us as a as a guest. But I think that's it. So with that being said, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for being a part of everything. But until you next time, until you next time. Mm, Jesus.
1: Nicely done. Already
2: already ruined it. Uh, But until next time, we'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: We have to go back.